Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. I prophesy today that the spirit of religion and confusion is broken today. And I prophesy that you will walk away not scared of the beast, but instead ready to conquer the beast because that's who you are called to be. Remember, this is imagery. There is not actually a beast with 10 heads, 7 heads, 10 horns, all this stuff. This is imagery that John is seeing in the spirit realm. And today it's dark imagery. But in order to contrast how good our father is, we must recognize how evil the enemy is. Okay, not so that we can be scared of him, but so that we can recognize when our enemy is lurking just below the surface in our lives and around us. See, you were designed to destroy Satan. Did you know that? The punishment that he received when he rebelled against the father is a slow but certain death with you and I, the sons and daughters of the father, the ones he wanted to be like. You and I stepping on the devil's head over and over and over again for thousands of years. That's his punishment. Until one day Jesus Christ, the supreme warrior, will end it all for him. And he knows that that day is coming. And all Satan can do with hatred in his heart towards the one he rebelled against is to kick his can down the road and try to prolong his annihilation. That's all he can do. And like I said, since Revelation is not chronological, we're going to start with chapter 17, this wonderful chapter about a prostitute, a very dark prostitute, and then we'll work our way back to chapter 13, okay? Ashton just read this, and we'll, we'll read some of this, maybe not all of it, but I want you to remember this is imagery, imagery, imagery. There's not actually a great prostitute sitting upon this great beast. This is what John is seeing in the spirit realm. And we, along with John, get to see into these windows as to what is happening, what did happen, and what's going to happen. Remember, he's the God who was, who is, and who's coming. So we're seeing into windows of things that happened, are happening, and are going to happen. Revelation 17, then one of the seven angels with the seven bulls approached me and said, come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who sits enthroned on many waters. The kings of the earth have fornicated with her, and the people of the earth are drunk on the wine of her prostitution. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a wild, blood-red beast with seven heads and ten horns, and it was covered with blasphemous, blasphemous names. The woman was robed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She was holding in her hand a golden chalice, brimming full with defiling obscenities and the filth of her lewdness. On her forehead was written these mysterious titles, the great Babylon, mother of prostitutes and the abomination of the earth. I saw the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy believers, drunk on the blood of the loyal martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I was utterly astonished. But the angel said to me, why are you so astonished? I will reveal to you the mystery of the woman and of the wild beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The wild beast you saw was, was, now is not, and is destined to ascend out of the deep and go to destruction. All those whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will be utterly astonished when they see the wild beast because he was, he was now is not, and is about to rise." And it goes on from there. Sick and disgusting imagery. A great prostitute enthroned on many waters. And these waters represent the imagery of chaos. The kings of the earth, those in power, have sex with her. The people of the earth drunk, they're the prostitute drunk on the wine of the believers, the blood of the believers. And she's sitting on this evil beast. She's wearing purple and scarlet, these colors of royalty, glittering with all the shiny things, gold and precious stones and pearls, holding this golden cup that's full of obscenities and filth. And her forehead is marked Babylon, 
the mother of all prostitutes, the abomination of the earth. Who in the world is this vile woman and what does she represent? Remember, these are chapters of contrast. This disgusting woman is what I would refer to as the anti-bride, the anti-bride of Christ. See, you and I as followers of Jesus Christ are the bride of Christ. You and I are destined to be united fully with the bridegroom Jesus one day, and this vile prostitute is the opposite of what you are called to be, the anti-bride. Proverbs warns us a lot about this anti-bride spirit. Proverbs 9 says, there is a spirit named foolish who is boisterous and brash. She is seductive and restless, and she sits in the gateway to the city, in the high places. Overlooking the city, she preaches to all who walk by, to you and I, who are clueless as to what is happening, and she says, come home with me. She invites those who are easily led astray saying, illicit sex is the best sex of all. Our secret affair will be sweeter than all the others. Little do they know that when they answer her call, when they walk down her path, she dwells among the spirits of the dead, and her guests soon become citizens of hell. Now, this is not just about illicit sex. This picture of this foolish spirit, this seductive, restless, inviting everyone who walks by, who are clueless, those that don't follow the path of wisdom. Because the opposite of the spirit of foolishness is the spirit of wisdom. And wisdom, we know, is a person. His name is Jesus. See, the bride walks down the path of wisdom because Jesus is calling out as well. But every day you and I have a choice which path to walk down, the spirit of foolishness, the anti-bride, or the spirit of wisdom, the bride of Christ. Every step we take, every choice we make, we can either turn down a seductive path or we can turn towards our master Jesus. This life is all about turning and stepping and walking. Which direction are you going? See, it's your choice. And we can see and hear all around us this prostitute spirit calling out because we are in the world, but not of the world. It's around us, vying for our attention. It shouts louder than the whisper of the Holy Spirit most of the time. And sometimes, though, it's hard to identify. She's just beneath the surface like a crocodile, like that Leviathan spirit that we'll talk about in a little bit. Hard to recognize, but she's still there trying to suck you in, get you close enough to where she can grab you and pull you in and death roll you. The problem is that when we answer that call, her call, she already dwells among the spirits of the dead. Her path only leads to one place, hell. She's not only the anti-bride, but she represents Babylon, the anti-Jerusalem, the anti-Eden, See, you and I were created to walk in this garden, to halak, to walk with the Father in the garden. That's how he originally designed us. That's what we're going back to in the future. But angels rebelled, and they were cast down to earth, and then we rebelled as we chose to question God in that moment instead of walk with him. And these chaos systems, this anti-Jerusalem, anti-Eden, anti-bride system replaced this beautiful Eden system that the Lord had created. But praise Jesus, he didn't give up on us. The father didn't give up on the image bearers that he created. Aren't you glad for that? Man, it would have been so easy. But he loves you so much that he chose his only son to come down from his seat on the throne and become like us, to walk in this chaos system that we are called to walk in and through in order to redeem the entire chaos system, in order to redeem Babylon and bring it back to Jerusalem. And the beauty and the mystery of the cross completely dismantled chaos. It completely disrupted the prostitute system of Babylon. And now, because of Jesus, the world's heading heading back to heaven's system, and Eden's system of peace is being recreated right here, right now, 
pieces of heaven are being installed back on earth where this chaos system is dwelling. And your job and my job as the bride of Christ, as the ones that war against the anti-bride, is to partner with and agree with what Jesus is doing to bring heaven down to earth. Amen? This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, that the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our God. And one day soon it will all be complete. The bride will be fully united with their bridegroom, Jesus. And see, these evil systems, this chaos system is so stirred up because they know that they are defeated. And all they can do is kick their can and make some noise until their final day of annihilation and hate the ones that bear his image. This evil system hates you because you look like him, the father. You are made in his image. See, they hated both the lamb and the little lambs, you and I. And if you've chosen Jesus today, then here's the great news. You have authority over this dark system, this chaos system. You have authority because you're seated in a higher place than it is. You're seated with Jesus. That's where your spirit is right now if you've chosen him and you know him. And because of his name, the name of Jesus, which is more powerful than any other name, and because of the mark of Jesus, not the mark of the beast. We'll get to that. All right. Chapter 13, this is where we're going to spend most of our time today. Now, there's so much in these two chapters that, just like Heather said last week, there is no possible way for me to get through all of this. This, this is months and months of discussion. But what I want to do is highlight what the Holy Spirit is saying to us here and now today. Okay? So if you, if you want to have more conversations, I would love to. We can talk about 666. We can talk about all the things um, but I'm going to highlight what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Revelation 13. Then I saw a wild beast rising from the sea with ten horns and seven heads. On its horns were ten royal crowns, and on its heads were blasphemous names. It was like a leopard with the feet of like a bear's, its mouth like the mouth of a lion, and the dragon shared his power, throne, and great authority with the wild beast. One of the heads of the wild beast seemed to have received a deadly wound, but the wound had been healed. After this, the whole world was filled with fascination and followed the wild beast. They worshiped the dragon because he had given the beast its ruling authority. They also worshiped the wild beast saying, who was like the wild beast and who was able to make war against him? The wild beast was given a mouth to speak boastful and blasphemous words, and he was permitted to exercise authority for 42 months. So the wild beast began to blaspheme against God, blaspheming his holy name and his dwelling place, that is, those who dwell in heaven. The beast was given the authority to wage war against the holy believers, and he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Everyone on earth will worship the wild beast, those whose names have not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. If anyone has been given ears to hear, he'd better listen. For the one who leads others into captivity, into captivity he goes. The one who kills others by the sword, by the sword he will be put to death. This is a call for endurance and faithfulness of the holy believers. Then I saw another wild beast coming up from the ground. It had two horns like a ram, but spoke like a dragon. It operated in all the authority of the first beast on its behalf, causing the earth and its inhabitants to worship the first beast whose mortal wound had been healed. It performed great miracle signs, even publicly causing fire to fall out from heaven to earth. And though these startling miracles that he performed on behalf of the first beef, or through these startling miracles he performed on the behalf of the first beast, he deceived the world, telling the people to erect a statue in the image of the beast that had been wounded by the sword and yet lived. The beast from the earth was empowered to breathe life into the image of the first beast so it could speak and kill those who refused to worship its image. It also caused everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and bound, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead. This meant that no one could buy or sell unless they had 
the mark, that is the name of the beast or its number. This will require wisdom to understand. Let the one with insight interpret the number of the wild beast, for it is humanity's number, 666. Awesome. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Let's break this down a little bit. Again, we have a chapter of contrast. We have a dragon. We have a beast from the sea and a beast from the land. So who are these creatures from hell, I'll call them? Well, it's a chapter of contrast. They're what I would refer to as the unholy trinity, the evil trinity. See, Satan wants to be so much like God that he imitates him, the unholy trinity. Watch this. The dragon is the father figure, the anti-father, if you will. And the dragon shares his power, throne, and authority with the wild beast. Does that sound familiar at all? The father shares his authority with Jesus, his power and throne with Jesus. And the dragon, this evil trinity father figure, mob boss, if you will, shares his power, throne, and great authority with the wild beast. The beast from the chaos waters, the beast from the sea, is the antichrist, anti-Jesus. This other wild beast from the ground speaks like a dragon. It operates in the authority of the first beast, causing the earth to worship the first beast. Does that sound familiar? Someone who has the voice of the Father, who causes people to worship the Son, we know him as the Holy Spirit. See, this is the dark trinity. And if you, if you noticed, the first beast from the sea had a mortal wound that was healed, just like the Son of God went to the cross and came back to rise from the dead. Satan hates God so much that he just imitates him in darkness. The dark trinity. It's almost laughable how much Satan tries to be like the most high God. Remember, this is the one with pride in his heart, who, who Lucifer created as this beautiful angelic being who said, I will be like the most high God. And here he is, he was, you know, he was thrown down to earth when he rebelled against God with pride in his heart. Here he is once again, twisting scripture to make himself sound like Yahweh. Verse four, they worshiped the dragon because he had given the beast its ruling authority. They also worshiped the beast saying, who is like the wild beast and who is able to make war against him? I mean, John has to be almost laughing as he's writing this and seeing this. Because our enemy, the devil, is once again, just like he did with Jesus, he's trying to rewrite and twist scripture. But John knows the truth. The devil knows the truth. Psalm 89, for who in the skies can compare with Yahweh? Who is like the Lord among heavenly beings? In the counsel of the Holy One, God is feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Yahweh Almighty? You, Yahweh, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea, the chaos waters. When its waves mount up, you still them. You crush Rahab, Leviathan. Like one of the slain, with your strong arm, you scatter your enemies. The heavens are yours, and yours also is the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. Satan's just mimicking Yahweh. He doesn't know any better. He wants to be like him so much he just imitates him. This Rahab, Rahab is this sea beast Leviathan, this demonic entity that Yahweh both crushed and is still crushing. And it's laughable, yet so much like his rebellious character that he's trying to be like the Most High God still. In the book of Job, chapters 40 and 41, we see two beasts that mirror these beasts in Revelation. We don't have a lot of time to go into this. There's so much here. But this, this, what John is seeing and writing in Revelation, it's a callback to these beasts in Job 40 and 41. The sea monster Leviathan, the Antichrist, and the land monster Behemoth. 
See, this anti-bride, anti-father, anti-Jesus, anti-spirit, anti-Eden, demonic system, this entire face of evil that sets its heart against Yahweh and against sons and daughters, there's these beasts that represent them, these sea creatures back in Job. A picture, just like Revelation is a picture of, of this evil trinity, there's a picture back in the First Testament that shows us this as well. Similar to the beasts, the giants, the Nephilim, that Joshua and Caleb were not afraid of in Canaan. And they looked at them, you know, 10 of the spies had fear. They, they couldn't have faith in their hearts. But Joshua and Caleb, they were different. They were set apart. They had the spirit of God in them. And when they looked at the giants, what did they say? They said, these evil beasts are our bread. They are our food. They are bread for us. And that's what we have to remember in these dark chapters, that literally when the enemy rises up in our lives, if we can come to a place of faith to see above the fray, to actually align our spirits with where we are truly seated in the throne room, then when we see evil come against us, we can truly say, awesome. It's time for breakfast. Bring it on, Leviathan. Bring it on, Goliath. You are my spiritual food. You are my spiritual fuel. See, that's seeing from the highest perspective of the throne room, that when we see the spirit of division, the spirit of manipulation, when we look towards that ground that was intended for us, we say, no, that's our ground. That's not the giant's ground. We will step into the land. We will eat that fruit that's designed for us, we will go into the land of promise because that's where the Spirit is leading us. They are food for us. They are our bread. Psalm 23, we're in a Psalm 23 season. We've been saying it from the first part of the year. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows with the goodness of God. I'm seated in the presence of my enemies. See, not only in their presence, but as a son or daughter of the father, I'm literally feasting on the enemy myself. That's why they're at the table, because they're actually the food. We're going to get into this in a few weeks when Ike preaches. It's awesome. This spiritual imagery is awesome. We do not need to be afraid of the enemy. We are the ones that continually conquer. And so when you see them rise up, they're, they're trying to elicit the spirit of fear in you. But if the spirit of faith rises up and says, that's my meal, I'll take a number five, bring it on. That's how we should react as ones that continually conquer the beast. I want to spend the rest of our time this morning talking about the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast. This has been taught so long, so wrong in the church for so many years that we need to spend some time on this. We've lived in fear over this. You may have lost sleep over this. You may still be afraid of this mark, and we need to stop it. We need to retrain the pathways of our mind because we've been given the mind of Christ, not the mind of the beast. Verse 7, the beast was given authority to wage war against the holy believers. Who, who gave him the authority? Just making sure we're all aware of this. Yahweh, the most high God. This is all part of his plan. If Yahweh doesn't give him authority, he has no authority at all. But he gave, gives him temporary authority over every tribe and people and language and nation. Nation. Everyone on earth, earth will worship the wild beast, those whose names have not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. Look, I want to make something very clear. You are in a war with the beast. He wants to take you out because he hates the one you represent. But you are not the one that will worship the beast. If you belong to Jesus... You worship Jesus. Now, you have a choice to make every day whose system you will be in, whose image you will worship. But if you belong to Jesus, your name has been written before the foundation of the world. You are bought with a price. You are a little lamb that belongs to the lamb. Then John writes, this is a call for what? Endurance 
and faithfulness of the holy believers. Because listen, you're in a war. This is a call for endurance. This is a call for faithfulness. Verse 14, and through these startling miracles that he performed on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the world. Don't we see that happening all around us? But remember, this has been happening. It is happening. It's going to happen. This chaos system has been around for a while now, since Jesus left, since before that, since the fall of man. This Babel system. But he's recreating all things. So this beast deceives the world, not you. You may have been deceived by him before. You're probably going to be tricked by him again. But overall, you are not the ones that are deceived by the beast. You are in the world, but not of the world. You have to live in this chaos system, yet the system that you belong to, your nationality, is heaven. That's your system that is being installed here on earth. That's your responsibility to call heaven down to earth, to come out from among them and be separate, he says. You belong to heaven. You belong to Jesus. You do not belong to the beast and his chaos system. And listen, if, you've be if you belong to Jesus, then you've already been marked. If you've turned to Jesus, if you've made a decision and started, stopped walking your own way and turned to him, then you've already been marked, and it's not the mark of the beast. You've been marked by the lamb. Paul talks about this, Ephesians 1. He says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed, were marked with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. See, in that moment, something happens in the spiritual realm in that moment when you turn to Jesus, when you put your full faith in him and trust in him, in that moment, you are marked by his spirit. You are sealed by his spirit. You are stamped. That's what the Greek means. You're stamped by him. And no one can remove that mark, including the beast. Only you can choose to walk away from him at that point. Once you've turned, you are sealed, you are stamped. But here's the thing. I believe that there's many marks in this life. There's many things that influence us every step we take. Just like we read in Proverbs, there's two, two voices calling out. One's that foolish, chaos, prostitute voice. And another is the voice of the Lamb, the voice of Jesus. And every step that we take is either a step towards chaos and the prostitute or towards Jerusalem and Jesus. And every day we have to choose whether we take on heaven's mark or the beast's mark. If we're influenced by the beast's chaos mark. Now, if you're a believer, again, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Nobody can take that away from you. You do not have to fear this mark of the beast that we've been taught to fear for so long. You belong to the Lamb. Remember, these are chapters of contrast. The beast system has marks. He's mimicking the father, remember? He's doing exactly what the father does. So he mimics him. There's another mark. There's the mark of the lamb. Katie preached about this in chapter 14. I'm going to remind you. It's the very next verse after we end chapter 13. Revelation 14.1. Then I looked, says John, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the lamb. And with him, 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. The Greek language there, we tend to think of these 144,000, which remember, this is imagery. It's not actually 144,000 exact people, but we tend to think of it as people standing with the lamb in the imagery that we use in our heads. At least I do. But the Greek there, it's not 144,000 people standing next to the lamb. It's 144,000 little lambs standing next to the lamb. See, you look exactly like him. That's you. You are marked on your forehead with the mark of the lamb. If you've chosen him, then you're marked by him. You are sealed by him with the name of Yahweh, the Father, on your forehead which brings up a great question. So is this some actual tattoo or brand? Like, Benny, do you have, can you take off your hat? Are you, you have a tattoo of Yahweh on your forehead? 
they got a lettuce worship hat. That's pretty good. No, this is imagery once again. Imagery, imagery, imagery. These marks define who you belong to, what team you're on, what identity you've taken on, what path you've chosen. Is it the, the lamb's team that you're on or the beast's side that you're on? Whose side are you on? All this shaking that we've experienced in the last few years in our lives, everything will be shaken except for him. And all the shaking is pointing us to decide whose side are you going to be on, the beast or the lamb, the dragon or Yahweh, the anti-spirit or the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, the beast from earth was empowered to breathe life into the image of the first beast so that it could speak and kill those who refused to worship its image. It also caused everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and bond and bound, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead. This meant no one could buy or sell unless they had the mark that is the name of the beast or its number. So we should be on the lookout for barcodes bar and computer chips, right? Don't want to get those implanted on our hands or foreheads. We've taken this way too incorrectly. That line of thinking is a distraction from what's going on here. This is not about a computer chip. Let me ask you this. Do you think that the churches that read these these uh, prophecies from John were thinking about computer chips, barcodes. They didn't even know what that was. Remember, it happened, it's happening, it's going to happen. This is, we've taken it and we've tried to push this writing into our narrow thinking. This is not about a computer chip. This is not about a barcode. This is about identifying an evil Leviathan beast system that lurks just below the surface of where we're walking every day. But Chris, it says nobody could buy or sell unless they had the mark, the name of the beast. Remember, it happened, it's happening, it's going to happen. Certainly, there have been times and instances in economies past, economies present, and economies in the future in the beast system that prevents those who have the lamb's mark from engaging in the beast's economy. I mean, let's just take an example from our lives a few years ago, okay? There's a lot of examples, but we'll just take one. There was a moment in time where I remember that if you didn't have your face diaper on, I think you guys remember this, right? If you didn't have your mask on, you couldn't go into a certain store and buy something. Just saying. There's marks of the beast everywhere that may prevent you from an economic system, from buying and selling. But we have to look from a higher perspective. What happened a few years ago was absolute chaos lunacy. Chaos lunacy, a beast system trying to, to go against and disrupt the people of God and what Jesus is bringing into this earth. But we tend to think about this mark of the beast as just this physical economic thing because we read buy and sell and so our minds automatically go to computer chips and barcodes. And I'm sure back in the Roman times where people were literally being put to death because they had the mark of the lamb on them because they were walking in the way of Jesus, they understood this completely differently when John was writing this to them. And we, we in our silly Western um, narrow minds have pushed this theology into just this very small window of time. It's way bigger than this. Let me ask you this. What about the spiritual transactions that this beast Leviathan system is preventing in your life and others' lives from happening? What about the spiritual fruit that you should be buying and selling? What about the joy that the beast is preventing you from experiencing because you've bought into his mark for a moment in time? 
What about the peace that is yours in Jesus Christ because you've momentarily forgotten that you do have the mind of Christ, but you've allowed the chaos system to mark your mind instead. These are chapters of contrast. The Lamb's mark calls for unity of sons and daughters, while the beast wages a war of division. Whenever you see division, whenever you see manipulation, you see the beast. That's why I talked about the face diapers, the covering of the image of God. It's just an example. You can laugh if you want to. I do now. Looking back, I mean, we looked silly, didn't we? Absolutely silly. But that's what the chaos system does. See, grace falls from Jesus like an endless waterfall from the Lamb, while manipulation spews from the sewage of the beast. If we're looking from the highest point, we can clearly see these two systems that are, they have nothing to do with each other. They're warring against each other. Glory is the marking of the lamb. Horror is the sign of the beast. See, these two marks, the beast's mark and the lamb's mark, it's far more than a simple economic impact. It starts with a spiritual impact and works its way down into every ebb and flow of our lives. We've been thinking about this far too small for far too long. What about this marking on the hand and the forehead? What does that mean? Well, a Jewish reader would instantly recognize what's going on here with this imagery. Once again, imagery, imagery, imagery. This beast imagery is once again in complete contrast to what Yahweh instructed the Israelites. Exodus 13, 9. The Lord's instructing his people. He says, on that day, tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. This observance will be for you like a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead that this law of the Lord is to be on your lips. For the Lord brought you out of Egypt with his mighty hand. You must keep this ordinance, this symbol at the appointed time year after here. See, this isn't a literal marking on the hand or the forehead. It's symbolic. It's a reminder, a sign for your hand, what you do with your life, what you put your hand to, who is marking you, who is persuading you with what you do, and a sign for your forehead, what you think, what words, what thoughts are coming into your life. Is it a beast thought? Then you take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. Or is it a lamb's thought? So that your hand and your mind are working together so that what flows out of your mouth, which is a sign of what's going on in your heart, will be the words of Yahweh on your lips and not the words of the beast. The beast system is a counterfeit system. Anti-Yahweh, anti-Christ, anti-spirit. See, Leviathan wants to tell your hand what to do. He wants to influence everything you do. Leviathan wants to steal your thoughts. Leviathan wants to put words in your lips because he's the one who steals, who kills, and who destroys. That's his chaos system, which is in direct opposition to heaven. This is all about a choice. Whose side are you on? Joshua, at the end of his book, when they had conquered all these lands, he said this to the Israelites. He said, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose you this day who you will serve. Whether it's the gods of your ancestors, the, the beast system, or whether it's Yahweh. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
you get to choose. That's what these two chapters are all about. What system are you going to choose? And unfortunately, we have to live in this midst of this chaos system. And we, we are responsible for calling heaven to earth. So in the midst of this confusion and chaos, even though we're sealed by his spirit, we have the mark of the lamb on our foreheads. We bump into this chaos Leviathan system every day, and we have to prophesy against it. We have to step away from it. We have to be in the world, but not of the world. We have to live in this chaos while Eden is coming back to be reinstalled in our midst. Whose mark will you take on? In number six, you'll recognize this passage. The Lord gives an instruction to Moses. He says, tell Aaron, who's the, who is the high priest, and his sons, this is how you bless the Israelites. This is, this is the only prayer that Yahweh gives us to bless the people. Now, Jesus, the Lord's prayer, he taught us how to pray, but that's more of a formula of how to pray. This is an actual prayer that the Lord says, this is what you're supposed to do. The high priest is supposed to bless the people and say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And then this is the verse that we very often forget. In so doing, they will put my name on the Israelites. They will mark them with my name, and I will bless them. Instructions directly from Yahweh to Moses for the priesthood. And in doing that blessing, he puts his name on his people. They would be marked with the name of Yahweh. When the high priest would do this, and it was only the high priest that was allowed to do this, they would lift their hands and they would make uh, this symbol right here. They'd put their hands together and they would make the symbol. Now, I know you, look, you, you think this is like a Star Trek symbol for live long and prosper. Cool story. He, the guy who created Star Trek actually got this from the priestly blessing. Ask me about it afterwards. But they would put their hands together in this symbol that created this Hebrew letter, the letter Sheen. And, and as they would bless the people, they would lift their hands, creating the Hebrew letter Sheen, and, and say these words of the Father as they marked the people with his name. Now, Sheen represents three different things. It's the first letter in El Shaddai, one of the most holy names of God, which means the overpowerer or God Almighty. It's the first letter in shalom, which is at the very end of the blessing, which means the presence of the goodness of God. It's, it's more than just peace. It's completeness, shalom. Thirdly, it stands for shekinah, which is the manifest glory of God that dwells among his people. And so as the high priest would raise their hands and representing this letter sheen, they would put the name of Yahweh on the people saying he's El Shaddai. He's the overpowerer of anything that's going on in your life. He's the shalom in your life. You have complete presence of God, completeness, fullness in your life. And his Shekinah glory is dwelling among his people. The Lord bless you and keep you Make his face shine on you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And he would put his name on his people. He would mark them. See, Jesus became the Lamb of God. He sacrificed himself for your sins. That should have been your punishment, should have been my punishment. And when he died, he went to the underworld and he took the keys of death and Hades and then he ascended in power as our high priest, giving us full access 
to the most holy place. And then he walked with his disciples. Remember the road to Emmaus where they didn't know who it was. And all of a sudden they left that conversation with their hearts burning. And he stayed amongst different disciples for about 40 days after he rose from the grave. And at the end of Luke 24, he said this, you are my witnesses, just like we learned about last week. You are my witnesses of these things. Listen carefully, I'm sending the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you. But you are to remain in Jerusalem until you are fully clothed, fully equipped with power from on high. And then he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them as he was being taken into heaven. The last act of the Lamb of God on earth himself at that point with holes that marked his hands fully visible was to lift up his hands in what I believe, what many scholars believe was the priestly blessing, making that symbol sheen, standing for his Shaddai, his Shalom, and his Shekinah glory. And he marked us as he ascended to the Father. How awesome is that? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. The lamb who had been marked for us with holes in his hands that will be there for eternity. You'll be able to see them one day. Marked us with his hands as he ascended. I think that's a beautiful thing. Whose mark is on you? Why don't you stand up? Close your eyes, if you will. The altar is always open. It's open right now. This is what I want you to end with, to hear with this morning. Revelation 15. Then I saw what looked like a vast sea of glass blended with fiery flames. And standing beside the sea were those who continually conquer the wild beast, his image, and the number of his name. That's you. You're not only called to reject the mark of the beast, you're called to conquer him and his, his image, his mark, and the number of his name. That's you, the ones who continually conquer. And they held the harps of God and they sang the song of Moses, a victory song and the song of the Lamb. You are designed to take the beast out because of Jesus, to take the beast of the, the, the mark of the beast and turn it, when you see it on people, to turn it to the mark of the lamb, to tell them about the mark of the lamb, to tell them about the marks in his hands that he has for them, to tell them about this God who wants to bless them and to give them peace over their lives that will change everything. That's who you are. You are called to continually conquer this Leviathan beast that rises up in the chaos system that you live in. And right now, your spirit, if you know him, you're standing in what John's describing, that crystal sea of glass, perfect to shalom peace, mixed with fire, the Shekinah glory fire of the Lord. You're standing beside that. That's what you have full access to right here and right now. And in that priestly blessing, there's three different lines that are actually for three different pieces of who you are. See, you're made of body, soul, and spirit. The Lord bless you and keep you. That's for your body. 
Baruch is the, is the word for bless. He's the God. Baruch means to come down. He's the one who comes down and blesses you. He's the one who's Emmanuel, the God with us, the one who dwells around you, who literally protects you as you sleep, your body. The Lord bless you and keep you. Somebody needs to receive that this morning. Maybe you need healing in your body. You need a blessing in your body. Somebody needs to receive that this morning. A second line in the blessing is the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. That's speaking to your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And if you're here this morning and, and, and you, you've, this, this chaos beast system has really got you stirred up, it, it really likes to mess with your soul. I'd invite you down to the altar this morning to receive the mark of the lamb, to receive the blessing of the lamb over your soul because he's the one who can deal with things like jealousy, who can deal with things like the manipulation you've been facing, who can deal with things like a competitive spirit, things that you've been warring on in your heart, pieces that need to come off, pieces that are really from the beast system that needs to be realigned with his system. And he says this morning, he makes his face shine into your soul, into those places of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And he wants to burn some things out this morning just with one look from him, one look from Jesus, one look from the lamb burns away some of these things that you've been wrestling with in your heart. These things that have been really just taking you down a foolish path and not a wise path. And he won't force you, but he does gently stand at the door and knock and says, he, he sees everything. He sees what you're struggling with. He sees what you're going through. And he says, I want to give you one look, one glimpse of light from my face burns all of that junk away. And that's your opportunity this morning to be marked once again by him. And then that last line in the priestly blessing, the Lord turn his face towards you. The Lord turn his face towards you. His full glory. Remember, Moses had to cover his face. He wants to turn his full glory towards you and give you this shalom. This is for your spirit. This might be for somebody that doesn't know him today who needs to be sealed by the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit right now is calling you, saying, I want to turn towards you, but I'm not going to force you. It's up to you to turn to me. But once you turn to me, I'm right there. Once you turn to me, I'm right there. And my, the full power of my face turning towards you will seal it in your spirit once and for all and I will give you my shalom the presence of the goodness of God he's the father who loves you so much that he gives good gifts to his children he keeps on giving gifts just like <laughs> at Christmas time, you can't wait to give your, your kid this one specific gift because they know how much joy they're going to have. I believe I'm just seeing this picture right now of the father giving gifts to his children this morning. But see, you have to open up your hands to receive his gifts. I believe many of the gifts that he's giving you, you haven't even been asking for because you haven't been asking for the right thing. And this morning he's saying, just open up your hands and receive these gifts that I have for you.
Father, thank you for your image bearers, the ones who you love so much, the little lambs. Would we open our hands to receive what your Holy Spirit has for us this morning? We say, pour out your glory on us. Let us experience the Shekinah glory, the manifest presence of Jesus in this place. Let us experience the holes in your hands, Father. Let us experience the goodness of God in the land of the living. We come against every giant this morning. We come against every spirit of Leviathan, the chains that hold us back, that keep us in this beast system. And we say you are cut off in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. The overpowerer El Shaddai has cut you off. Behemoth, we behead you in Jesus' name. Leviathan, you are defeated in Jesus' name. Every chaos system that's dwelling amongst the people of God must be destroyed in Jesus' name. And instead, we receive the mark of the Lamb. We see your hands that have holes in them. We see your hands lifted towards us. We receive your mark, Jesus. We choose to turn your way, Jesus. We turn away from every prostitute system, from every foolish uh, spirit, and we turn towards the spirit of wisdom and righteousness instead. We stand here this morning saying, once again, we are followers of the Lamb. We are the 144,000 little lambs that stand with the Lamb, and we are those who continually conquer the beast the mark of the beast and the number of his name. And we remind the beast system this morning that it has no hope, but we have all the hope, the hope of heaven that is coming to earth, the hope of heaven that is being instilled in us right now. We can't even see it, but we, we choose to dwell with our spirits right now in that sea of glass, of shalom glass, and that fire of Shekinah glory. We choose that place to be seated with you in heavenly places, far above all the chaos and the noise of Babylon, far above every principality and dark spirit, far above every system that's out there to destroy us. We choose to see ourselves from where you see us, sons and daughters of the most high God, the El Shaddai, the one who we are seated with who is coming once again to rule and reign on this earth. And we proclaim that the name of Jesus is the highest name. We are marked with the name of Jesus. May you mark our lives every step that we take with you, Father. We love you, Jesus. Now let faith rise within us. Father, that we're not, we're not done yet, and we're not just here to receive your mark. We're here to take territory and ground. We're here to step forward into the land. And where we see giants, may we see faith. I don't know what giants, I don't know what Leviathan, I don't, I don't know what beast is coming after your life right now, but put that in your mind right now. That's your promised land. That's your fuel. That's your spiritual food right now. And we're coming to eat some dinner. And the thing called faith, this thing that we can't see, the evidence of things unseen, we're calling that out of your spirit, out of your soul right now to say, rise up, awake, O sleeper. Rise up faith within us and around us. Shake us towards faith, Jesus. Let us walk in the steps of Noah, where everyone thought he was crazy, yet he saw a flood coming. And we say with Habakkuk 2.14, there is a day coming when the flood of your glory is coming. And because of the intimacy of the saints, those that love your heart and will go towards you, those that are hungry and thirsty, we want that. We want the flood. And we see the flood and we're going to build towards the flood.
I call out Gideons this morning that are hiding because you're scared. Jesus sees you and he says, no, you think of yourself as, as this puny little person, but I call you a warrior. There's a warrior spirit. I call out Esthers this morning that are boldly will go before the throne of grace to receive the favor of the most high king. Call out Davids this morning that will release their stone, that won't just take what the giant is spewing at them, but say, no, I defy you in the name of Jesus Christ. We come against that beast system, and I call Jesus Christ to take you down. Let faith rise. Let faith rise in this place this morning. Stir in our hearts something, Spirit of God. We don't want to come away from this place just having met for a couple hours. We want something to shift and to change within us because we have a beast system to impact out there. We have a chaos system that we have to live in that we're called to bring Eden back to, heaven back to. And so God shifts something in us so that something can be different out there. Let faith rise. Let's prophetically sing this out, declare this out as faith rises in your heart this morning.